Welcome to Business Beyond Borders, the go-to podcast for CPA firms seeking transformative insights. I'm your host, Lawrence Whittam, and with each episode, we'll uncover key insights, best practices, and invaluable resources tailored for CPAs. From trending strategies to diving deep into outsourcing and offshoring, our experts will help in all areas of your business. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Business Beyond Borders. Uh, you're here with me, Lawrence Whittam, and also Andrew Mendolia today from um, Global Staff Connections. So thanks for joining, Andrew. Thank you, Lawrence. Uh, so Andrew, Andrew is a very close friend now and um and again we've known each other for a couple of years now and i know that you've you've been in the market you've been working with firms so i'm very excited to have you on and you're one of the firms in the philippines right so and have grown quite quickly over the past sort of two three years especially uh, but have been in business a little while longer so so very happy to have you here would love to uh, have you give a bit of an introduction for people and just share a little bit about you and the company? That'd be awesome. Okay. So Lawrence, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here in your show. You're a wonderful human being. And uh, I'm glad we're able to work together on something. Okay. So I'm right now, I'm the managing director of Global Staff Connections. My background really has been in fuel, worked in Shell for 15 years. Uh, GSC is it's a 12-year-old company, mostly doing staff leasing. We started in the back of a closet. I had a partner, Richard Yang. Uh, he had a nephew in Australia outsourcing work to India. And that nephew said, I think we can do this in the Philippines. So we started with two people. It's very, very small room. It worked. Uh, and now we, we've grown. Uh, we've, we're 12 years in the business and um, uh, it's looking up. So how many, how many people do you have now, just to give an idea? Uh, roughly about 200. Okay. And then you mentioned, you mentioned staff leasing, right? So, and this is the interesting part. So everybody says it differently. Like some people, uh, there's outsourcing, offshoring, nearshoring, staff leasing, employment of records. So, so can you explain staff, the staff leasing model? What, like, what does it look like for firms? Okay. So most of the companies need people to do work for them. So if we uh, focus, if they focus on that part, getting people to do work for them. There are other parts that come with uh, hiring someone. We do all those other parts. We employ the staff, we set up the company and they are our employees and we second them full time to the client. Our roles mainly are managing recruitment, doing the payroll, training, staff engagement, office management, providing IT equipment and office supplies and even furniture, internet and security. What does this mean? The, the client gets to focus on the task that the staff need to do and pay the bill. Everything else we do for them. Okay. So, and so really that whole back end side of having an employee realistically in their firm, that is all covered, right? They're all liable. Like you take all that responsibility from the payroll, the taxes, all that aspect. Now, are the firms included in that recruitment cycle typically in some way? Are they interviewing the talent or are you guys making the decision for them? Uh, it's as if they're hiring their own employee. 
they do a selection process as well on uh, curriculum vitae. We forward to them, and we administer the tests, and we recommend the top the top notchers. We do an initial interview, shortlist the people, and do they do the final interview. So that's very critical. Uh, that that there's a working relationship between the client and the staff, so they have the final decision. Okay, now that's funny because that's the first time I've ever heard somebody say curriculum vitae. So uh, the again coming from the UK as well, like over here it's more resume, but obviously yeah. CV. But I, I think it's the first time I've heard somebody say. It. I've, I've noticed obviously that's what it meant, but it's just funny here. <laughs> so um, now. So, so can you tell us, like, obviously you're working with multiple accounting firms right now in the industry. So can you tell us, like, what are you seeing those firms doing? Like, what are you seeing in the market right now? Are, are firms scaling up? Are, are firms scaling back? Are, they, are there certain types of roles they're looking for and need to on? Can you yeah. give us, like, just your oversight? Like, what do you see? Uh, we started in Australia when we started. And uh, the rules were primarily for individual type of roles. They would grow organically, but having the same types of individuals doing specific tasks. Some work like a production line, while others are uh, get to deal directly with the client. With the U.S. market now, there's an exponential growth. That's one. Secondly, it's like they're building their own organizations here. They have seniors, supervisors, managers, um, people to manage the managers. So uh, it's as if having a not outsourced staff, but an offshore office. Uh, I think that's the, that's the biggest difference that we've seen. And now, and, and I know about one of the cases recently for you guys that, again, you had a client actually come over. Like, can you, and again, don't, don't, maybe don't mention them because I don't know if they want to be mentioned, but, but can you explain like really the investment as some of these firms are making into building out their office, like you're saying, with you? Because uh, I think that's very important. And it's an important step for a lot of people to make when they're growing a team or offshore. And it may not be when they've got one or two, but when they've when they've obviously built a team of 5, 10, 15 people, um, the investment that is being made now is great. I mean, that I see is a huge improvement. So can you share a bit about that specific visit, for example, like what that individual did, and um, that would really help. Yes. Uh, the visit um, of that ex uh, top executive was uh, to uh, join in a training and get to know some of the staff. Uh, I think uh, that's critical to have leadership have a shorter face uh, for the people to be part of their organization. Um, and also, the investment they're making in terms of time, resources, training. So normally, when you talk about investment, you're talking about capital. Uh, this one is human capital that they're investing in. It's the knowledge with the belief that by doing that, they're here to stay for the long term. And they're here to keep the staff for the long term. They see the staff growing old with them. And that's actually the time when you can get the most yield out of them. The longer they stay, the more yield you can get, productivity you can get out of them. Now, and what is, uh, so why the Philippines, right? I mean, uh, obviously the Philippines and India are probably the two major locations in terms of 
been it's been working the most with especially in the accounting industry right so but why do you want new business in the philippines right what is the available talent that's there like what are some of these benefits that firms should know about the philippines if you're just talking to them for the first time okay we are we were colonized by the spanish for over 300 years in 1898 commodore george dewey commandeered an american flotilla sailed into manila bay and without losing a single ship, sank a Spanish squadron that was here. Treaty of Spanish was signed. And officially, U.S. bought Philippines for $20 million. So uh, the U.S. acquired Philippines as his colony. And they decided, uh, what do you call that? A benevolent assimilation. The U.S. would control the Philippines temporarily while it oversaw the transition of self-rule and independence. So they were preparing us to be independent. And because of that, they set up local government bodies and a system of universal public education and books, lots of books. So you're wondering, we were with the Spanish for 300 years, but hardly anyone speaks Spanish, but mostly everyone speaks good English and uh, understandable, like uh, in U.S. type of English. That's what I mean. And like the accent, the accent's a the bit accent. more... That's correct. Easy to understand. Right. And and just to chime in here as well, like it's this channel is a history channel now as well. So we've got some <laughs> history in there as well. So we bring everyone, the historians on and everything. So now go on, carry on. And uh, you, if you're an American and you come over, you'll find it funny. People are watching uh, Hollywood sitcoms and movies, no subtitles. Uh, they watch NBA. Uh, they read novels written by American or English authors. So uh, the sort of like the line of thinking and the mentality, there's not much, there's not a gap. So it's as if we've uh, embraced that culture. So I guess the biggest advantage, and because of that, the big four are here. Um, they do training of people. We have offices by IBM, Yahoo, Google, set up offices here. And I think that's the main driver. It's the English and the way of thinking. And and, and again, that cultural side. So the culture is very similar, right, in some sense, right? So it's a, it's a bit easier for sometimes for firms to be able to work with people because, again, they can pass on their culture in the firm a bit easier than necessarily a country with a bit more stronger individualized cultures, right? In a lot of cases, right? Um, so now what type of talent is available in the Philippines as well? Like what is what is the talent that, yes, firms should look for over there and maybe some of the talent that maybe isn't best affiliated with the Philippines from that perspective, or it's, it's only at the initial stage? Uh, when we started off, we started off with anything that can be done in front of a computer. So it was um, accounting, bookkeeping, sales support, uh, AutoCAD, uh, doing the plans, um, all sorts of programmers, anything that can be done in a computer. But our staff have grown now, are mostly auditors, accountants, and bookkeepers. And, uh, and uh, every now and then, because of that, we've sort of like uh, gained a reputation that we're catering to the financial finance field. 
however, there are some lim limitations to that. If uh, they're looking for a tax accountant, it's still a challenge to find tax accountants here. There are some, but it takes longer. Gotcha. And, and from my understanding, and but correct me if I'm wrong, like the tax typically experience that you'll find is limited from just like the number of years that really tax has been going on because it's been like that secondary wave of service that's come over or they've worked for like a large private or public company and they've done like the taxes and learned the taxes from internally in those businesses. Is that right? That's correct. It's more of the latter. Yeah. And, uh, and um, it's a, uh, it's those sh companies that set up shop here and have tax people within their firms. Yeah. I, and that's mostly the, the candidates that we can uh, tap into. Gotcha. Now, can you tell me, let's say, some of the best practices that you encourage the firms and when you're talking to them that they should follow when they are utilizing talent in the Philippines? Like what, what should they be thinking about from that staff leasing model to make sure they have a, a better success rate of doing so? All right. So um, we've had clients in the past who have looked at lease staff as uh, mercenaries. They have a pile of work get people and uh, expect them to churn out the work or get the pile lower in within a week or two weeks doesn't work that way. So it's critical that the people are made part of the team, include them in your org chart, include them in their discussions and meetings. The worst that can happen is they are alienated or they feel like hired guns just doing the work because our culture is very familial. So the more they belong, the longer they will stay and the more motivated they are. That's one. So, yeah. yeah, so I was going to say with with that, obviously that's, and this is coming back to that staff leasing model a little bit, right? So it's, you've got to treat them at the end of the day, like your team members, like you're building your culture internally, right? Just like you would your team members, like you see some firms talking about family and and these types of things, but they're really including their team as much as possible and trying to make it a good work environment. So you're saying with the staff leasing model, it needs to be very similar to that, right? In terms of an extension of your current culture, you may have to think differently because the culture, they will have differences, right? However, it's not just that here, let me just chuck, chuck a bunch of work over, get this done, please. That's right? right. Um, that's not the way it should be dealt with. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's and then you're saying the second one. Surprisingly, Lawrence, um, when we started off, we weren't looking for the 500, 1,000 staff for one company. We were looking at small to medium enterprises, maybe those that need one staff or two staff. But again, surprisingly, those that have made it work and successful are the medium to larger sized firms because they have enough bandwidth to, to appoint an outsourcing champion to look into workflows and processes and uh, to look into the needs of the people. Whereas if it's a one or two person firm and they're swamped with work, they don't have time to look at all these other things. Yeah. But actually, if you look at it, the market, that's the bigger market. There are so many uh, firms out there with one, two or three people that need to outsource. But in terms of readiness, they're not ready. So um, that's, the, that's a market that we need to look into and how to address their needs. Yeah, and that comes with a little bit of the education side, but 
but being being able to step back and work on the business, right? That's a that's a big element. And for smaller firms, typically that bandwidth, like you're saying, is it's difficult to do because they don't have that bandwidth there. Um, so so now, what about some of the the challenges specifically? So obviously, you've got multiple firms you're working with that have grown quite consistently. So, but but what are some of the challenges you see? Let's say you, a challenge at the beginning. So when you're onboarding, when you're really getting that first piece started in the in the run like what what does that look like what should firms look out for um just to make sure that they can overcome that or at least plan proactively to avoid that problem all right when we recruit the person we normally get the job description the skills required and we normally get it right 70 75 percent that remaining 25 percent requires some training from the client for proprietary systems or for skills that were not there in the first place from the candidate. So that gap needs to be closed and a huge responsibility on that falls onto the client. That needs to be closed so that the staff is productive, becomes confident and is able to uh, get work done in an efficient manner. So there are some clients that have uh, left staff hanging. that's where uh, you're like in limbo for the longest time. Yeah. So, and that's where um, I, I guess that training and investment comes in, right? So firms need to yes. invest in this at the end of the day. I mean, that's, uh, that's part of the reason for creating the podcast, uh, to be honest, to make sure firms understand these challenges and make sure they're investing the time into these the, the teams they're building. Um and if they don't want to invest that time, they've, they've got different models they can utilize, right, better than necessarily staff leasing, right, as an example. So, um, okay. And then what what's another challenge that you sort of see in that sort of area? Uh, well, mainly those are the parts we try to ad- address and familiarity with the culture or differences, coordination on their organization setup to accommodate the outsourcing workforce. So uh, that's the part where we come in. We're sort of like the middleman and uh, bridging the gap between the client and the staff. I'm not saying that uh, they need to do it, but because we're familiar with both US and the local culture, we're able to do that well. And it's highly appreciated by most of our clients, including the staff. So are you saying that you have, excluding the direct team members that they're hiring, you you guys personally have somewhat of a middle management that is helping interact between the two parties? Are you, are you setting up sort of regular reoccurring meetings or what, what does the structure look like to help with that cultural integration and the process integration and things like that? Like how often are you meeting with them? Uh, definitely. There are frequent catch-ups with clients, maybe once every other month. And there are uh, immediate catch-ups whenever there's an issue. Um, We bridge the gap. So that issue can come monthly or weekly, uh, but we're there to support uh, and to ensure that the staff succeeds in the role. Cool. Now, so what's making GSC different than other staff leasing companies from that perspective like we've explained the staff leasing side of it which differentiates you guys from just other bpos kpos for example that are doing it in different models but but what differentiates you guys and your approach than other firms out there 
It's exactly what I just told you. Uh, HR, there are defined services like payroll, recruitment, and all that. But there's a part that it's also psychology and making sure the individual's needs are met. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and clients' needs are met. So they recruited for one purpose and to get some job done. So uh, we bridged that gap. Uh, in terms of the communication, it's a gray area. It, it's, you can't put a finger to it, but we have frequent catch-ups. And I guess that's where we are highly appreciated. And I guess it works because uh, organically we grow and um, the clients are give us good ratings. Awesome. No, and, and really appreciate Andy jumping on and sort of explaining a little bit. And this is obviously about the Philippines and, and the staff leasing model. So it definitely helps to, again, get your insights into that. And I think those are some very helpful best practices and challenges that firms can do to overcome. Um, and I did just want to say congratulations again. So Andy is is running on probably two hours of sleep right now because he's just had his uh, baby girl, right? So um, congratulations for that and appreciate you jumping on even in three days, uh, three days after the birth. And again, like I said, very having two young kids myself, just probably having no sleep yourself right now. So you managed to keep it up and stay awake for it. So appreciate that. It was an honor to be part of your podcast, Lawrence. I'm, I'm hoping you you grow. Thank you. Now, now tell everyone. So, tell everyone where they can reach you if they're looking for some more insights from a staff leasing model. If they want to look into the Philippines, if they want to talk to you directly, like how can they reach you? Uh, you can look at our website uh, www.globalstaffconnections.com, or um, shoot me an email, Lawrence. Not sure how to get that through here, but um, maybe we can uh, set it through the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we'll put it we'll put it on the description for the podcast, right? So so I have yeah. a contact by email or go through to the website. Um, and then we can uh, you can definitely reach out to Andy or reach out to me and I'm happy to connect you guys up. Um, but no, really appreciate it. And thank you for everyone joining today on Business Beyond Borders. We look forward to seeing you on uh, future episodes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Business Beyond Borders. I'm Lawrence Whittam, and it's been a pleasure bringing you impactful insights tailored for the modern CPA firm. Remember, the world of accounting is vast and ever-evolving, and we're here to navigate it together. For more resources and episodes, don't forget to subscribe and reach out to our experts. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries of your business and explore the limitless possibilities beyond borders.